1: In our final hour today, I want to dive into a fascinating and frankly disturbing development in our ongoing political hellscape, particularly in regard to the way national activist organizations are preparing for a potential second term for Donald Trump in the 2024 election. Nonpartisan government watchdog groups and think tanks are sounding alarm bells on an unprecedented effort led by the Heritage Foundation and fueled by former Trump administration officials to take a poison-tipped chainsaw to the federal bureaucracy. My words, not theirs. They have a nearly 1,000-page handbook titled Project 2025. And this initiative outlines a comprehensive plan for a government-in-waiting that's being assembled right now and is just waiting for Donald Trump to pick it up that aims to reshape the federal bureaucracy and implement a vision aligned with Trump era conservatism. The plan involves crisscrossing America to recruit thousands of individuals and create a pool of talent that are ready on day one to execute these goals outlined in Project 2025. The initiative seeks to demolish any institution, any individual that frustrated Trump and his allies in Congress in Trump's first term. So imagine, if you will, a Trump presidency, but there is no Rex Tillerson. There is no Jeff Sessions. There is no Reince Priebus. There is no Mike Pompeo. There is no Jim Mattis. There is no Mike Esper. There is no Bill Barr. None of the folks with institutional knowledge and loyalty to the country and not just the Trump brand in place to push back on the president and say, no, you can't do that. That's illegal. That's bad for the country. That's un-American. I won't be a part of it. If you break this thing, Mr. President, if you commit this crime, I will quit. Project 2025 is a playbook to make sure that there is nobody like that working anywhere in the federal government come this time next year. Throughout the document, the paper's authors come out swinging at, quote, ruling elites, Washington elites, establishment elites, entrenched elites. And it's sort of comical to me that all these scary elites are the target of all this vitriol, given that the people who put this document together the people who built out the Project 2025 proposal are nothing if not entrenched establishment Washington elites. They are the swamp. And they're funded entirely by secret billionaire elites from all over the country. Even so, the plan explicitly calls for a series of policy prescriptions I think most Americans don't want. Project 2025. Greases the skids for a national abortion ban. Restrictions on many forms of birth control, ending same-sex marriage, criminalizing transgenderism. Shutting down most functions of the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, so there's nobody out there guaranteeing your access to clean air and water, getting rid of our anti-monopoly laws gutting the IRS and making it even easier for corporations and the richest Americans to cheat on their taxes, ending all clean energy initiatives, increasing subsidies for fossil fuels, opening up our public lands and parks and wilderness to international developers, privatizing Social Security, ending traditional Medicare, ending federal funding for public schools and colleges, the list goes on, This is what dismantling the administrative state really looks like. Michael Linden is a senior policy fellow at the Washington Center for Equitable Growth and a former senior official at the White House Office of Management and Budget. He joins us on the line now. Michael, thanks for making the time today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Tell us a little bit about your background in the White House OMB and your work at the Center for Equitable Growth. What do you guys do?
0: Yeah, well, so the uh, Washington Center for Equitable Growth is a research institution that funds uh, academic work on, uh, you know, investigating how we can have economic policies that, um, that foster growth, but, in a, you know, as the name suggests, in an equitable way, growth that actually benefits everybody, not just people at the top and, and people who already had the most. For a long time, you know, our economic policies were set up for people who – um, you know, were born wealthy or, or who had a lot to get the most, and that can sometimes show up in big picture economic numbers as if that's that's going well. But most Americans weren't feeling it. So the Washington Center for Equitable Growth is really about uh, doing the the kinds of day to day economic research that's necessary to design policies that do lead to growth and everybody's better off. But that everybody that e- truly the everybody part is is important. So that's. That's what, what what we do, um, and then you know, my I worked for the last couple of years in um, in the White House Office of Management and Budget, where I uh, helped uh, to put out the president's budget, which is uh, coming out in a couple of days. Uh, it uh, I helped to execute the president's agenda, uh, oversee federal agencies, and I had a lot of interaction with uh, with uh, all the kinds of programs and agencies that that you talked about at the. Uh, in the introduction here
1: mm-hmm. in, in regard to my introduction, do you think that was too alarmist or is that kind of on point in your view?
0: I don't think that was too alarmist. I think it, you know, the project 2025 uh, book, as you said, it's really long and I don't expect people to spend their time paging through it. And there's all sorts of kind of jargon and, and code words, that really don't mean anything to to anybody who hasn't been steeped in, in these kinds of policy debates for a long time. So it's it's not surprising that people aren't paying that much attention to it. But your summary was was spot on. The things that you described that they're are exactly what they're calling for, um, and, and certainly there's uh, been some attention paid to some of the big policy prescriptions that, that they want to see, including what would effectively be a national abortion ban, exactly as you said. But I was really uh, pleased to hear you specifically talk about ending Medicare as we know it. That is one of the policy prescriptions in this long book, is to take Medicare and, and no longer make it no longer a guarantee. If you are 65, um, you've paid in Medicare is going to be there for you. You have some choices. You can do Medicare Advantage. You can do traditional Medicare. But Medicare is going to be there for you. And this has been a longstanding policy proposal from conservatives and the right to take that and turn it into vouchers. And that proposal basically shows up yet again in this this, uh, long book. Big cuts to education funding. Big cuts to clean water funding, you know, really fundamental changes to the way uh, that the American people do do business and go about their lives. Uh, It would be it would be enormous, uh, these changes.
1: I have a text on the Okinawa Jewelers talking text line here just right at the top of the pile. It says, hey, Ian, what you just said is from some super duper far right wacko. No one in their right mind, even a solid conservative would go for any of that BS. Texter, that's, I think, exactly my point. A Republican Party that's familiar to most Americans, even a deeply conservative one, would accept the rule of law, the norms of liberal democracy, the legitimacy of the opposing party. This is a playbook to do all of the opposite of that, which is why I'm bringing it up. This is not attack on conservatism or Republicans in general. This is just about this one very specific document from this one very specific think tank. Uh, Michael project 2025 has these four pillars Uh, they read thusly uh, restore the family as the centerpiece of American life and protect our children number one dismantle the administrative state and return self-governance to the American people number two defend our nation's sovereignty borders and bounty against global threats number three and number four secure our God-given individual rights to live freely what our Constitution calls the blessings of liberty. Now, of those four, uh, dismantling the administrative state probably doesn't mean much to most Americans. But the rest of this stuff in a vacuum, it sounds pretty good on paper. So what's the disconnect?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think what you said is exactly right. Some of these policy ideas are incredibly unpopular across Democrats, Republicans, independents. There, There is not... Uh, wide support for privatizing Social Security or ending Medicare's guarantee or cutting Medicaid or cutting funding for education, uh, that is not something that most Americans support regardless of their political party. So you, you can't come right out and just say that. You've got to kind of hide it between, behind these very big-picture ideals that a lot of people would agree with. But the thing to understand is that there are some of these proposals, Um, not all of them, but some of them, uh, a a President Trump with the right people around him can do some of these things without Congress. Um, An effective national abortion ban, uh, the president can take real steps without Congress passing a law that would make it extremely difficult for people to access reproductive health care, regardless of what state you're in. You might be in a state where... Um, where the 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 state constitution protects that, mm-hmm. but the president can take steps to do that. Clean air, clean clean water enforcement; those are things that the president can direct his EPA to either, vis- you know, vi- vigorously enforce or look the other way. Enforcing the tax law for billionaires and corporations. About we just, I just saw a report this week that uh, the IRS estimates that millionaires and billionaires and corporations get away with paying roughly $150 billion a year less in taxes than they actually owe. And whether the IRS actually enforces the law is, is somewhat a question of the, of the president and his, his staff. So there are some of these things that are incredibly unpopular that would require Congress to act. But there's a bunch of these things that people could wake up one morning and find that their rights are are different from what they expected. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, critics will say uh, that there's uh, some inherent contradictions in this plan. You're advocating for equality while also dismantling the agencies that enforce civil rights. They call for freedom and liberty, but they also propose these severe top down restrictions on our freedoms, like the total abortion ban, the ability to access gender-affirming care, the ability to learn about the uglier parts of our national history in schools. How do the proponents respond to these criticisms of these contradictions? Do they care?
0: Well, I think they would say, look, obviously, this is not something that I did not write this, this report. It's not something <laughs> that I agree with. But I, I, I know folks like this. And, and I think what they would say is that, you know, our individual—and you can sort of see, hear it in those four pillars— they, they do not believe that the federal government has any role to play uh, in protecting people's rights other than a, a handful of, of things that they deem to be um, the right ones, the right. correct ones. Mm-hmm. And, and so they, they would say, look, the government doesn't have a role to play to make sure that uh, a child who grows up uh, in a rural area or in a, in a low-income area that doesn't, you know, doesn't have a lot of chances, doesn't have a lot of opportunity, the government has no role to play to make sure they get a good education. They're on their own. They should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. That's a philosophy. I don't happen to share that philosophy, but that's a philosophy that that they that they hold. And so they'd say that's not a contradiction. That they say the the government should be there to protect protect uh, certain values that they think are the right ones and everybody else is kind of on their own. I think that philosophy is rife throughout this document. I don't think it's a philosophy that most Americans hold, whether you're conservative or or progressive or moderate. I think most Americans agree that the government has a role to play in protecting clean air and clean water, Mm -hmm. that the government has a role to play in making basic investments in scientific research and healthcare research investigating how cancer uh, evolved and how we can fight cancers. Uh, those are basic things that everybody agrees with. And yet this document says things like, let's totally revamp the way the National Institutes of Health works. And instead of having doctors and scientists figure out these things, let's just give money to states and the states can decide what they want to do with it. That, that might work out well for some states. It's not going to work out well for all 50 states.
1: Yeah. Um, the plan also spends a lot of time talking about the great Awakening. Um, Not awakening, but awokening, right? Woke, of course, has a pretty fluid definition depending on the day of the week, which basically boils down to anything we don't like. Um, Why is fighting wokeness such a central plank of this agenda?
0: Well, you know, I I, I can only guess. I, I think that this agenda, you know, ultimately the policy ideas the direction of this agenda is not popular. It just is not popular among the American people. I think if you took some of these, um, these ideas and you put them in front of any, uh, any American uh, and you didn't tell them where they came from, they would probably tell you, I don't support any of those sort of like what your, your listener texted you. Um, but, but they have to uh, sell them as something else. They don't want people focusing on what, uh, privatizing social security or turning medicare into a voucher system they don't want to focus on that instead they want to focus on these kinds of divisive issues and keep uh moderate income and middle-class families fighting with each other instead of focused on wealthy uh billionaires and corporations who are going to make out like bandits under this under this agenda i think that is what what's really happening
1: here i'm also kind of taken back about uh the 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 Department of Education, which seems to me like one of the more, you know, innocuous departments. Why is it such a hard target for these people? Why do we have the Department of Education in the first place? And what happens if we get rid of it?
0: You know, it, it, I agree. I've always been a little bit baffled by um, some focus on trying to get rid of the Department of Education. The American people like public schools. They like public funding of education. They think we should do more of it, not less of it. I think, I think the American people agree that we don't want a top-down, uh, you know, a top-down um, direction of, of what the curriculum needs to be, mm-hmm. but having public resources go to make sure that every single American child has uh, a decent education, has real opportunities, and can, can make choices for themselves after they graduate high school, whether that's a four-year degree, a two-year degree, career or te- technical education, or going straight to a, a good-paying job, I think I think the american people agree we want we want those things so it's always been a little baffling to me why some people focus on cutting these things but i i think there is i do think there is a set of of people not a majority by any means who simply don't believe in public education who think that (laughs) um, you know that that people should that each individual family should take care of their own their own uh, child's education and and so be it. If some pe- that means some people end up with really good education and some people end up with nothing, uh, I don't think that's shared by most Americans. But I do think there are people who believe that.
1: Yeah, I, 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 you can have that as as a as a plan, for, but you know what you're going to end up with looks more like Afghanistan than America. I don't think anybody really wants that. Um, I only have a little bit of time left here, Michael, but um, I wanted to ask you too about immigration. Uh, we've seen recently that, you know, Trump world and the Freedom Caucus, they they tanked the, you know, the best opportunity at border reform that we've had in a long time, uh, just because Trump didn't want that to happen on somebody else's watch. They're not interested, it seems like, in, in immediately addressing the border and immigration crisis with any input from Democrats and centrist Republicans. What is their plan? If they do everything, they get their way, everyone else be damned. What is their approach to immigration reform look like?
0: Well, I think this is an important question. I think to step back for a minute, I think it's important what you said to realize that right now we don't have two governing bodies or coalitions in Congress that are trying to solve problems. You have some set of people in Congress, typically they are congressional Democrats, but there are Republicans in the Senate also who are really trying to solve problems. And then you have kind of an extreme caucus in the House that seems to be taking its orders from Donald Trump, um, that is not interested in solving problems, even if they, they, you know, even if they're getting a lot of what they asked for, they just, they don't want to solve problems. They want, they want to run on problems. They don't want to run on solutions. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big, that's a big issue. And it, it, it's not great for them to be rewarded for that. That's not a, that's not an approach to governance that I think most Americans would agree with. Even if you disagree, um, You know, with the policy solutions, you want people who are trying to come to solutions uh, and not just exacerbate problems. But some of the some of the solutions, so-called solutions that that I have read that are floating around in the Project 2025 orbit or that the the, the, the Trump campaign has floated are are really, um, I have to say, un-American. It involves, you know, rounding up. Uh, undocumented workers, putting them in, in relocation centers and, and shipping them off uh, to to other countries. I, I think that there is clearly uh, a problem in our immigration policy. I think both Democrats and Republicans agree that there is, there's problems there. Uh, I don't know that activating the National Guard to set up relocation camps is the right way to go. I don't think most Americans would agree. Even even Americans who are very frustrated with our immigration system, I don't think would agree with that. I think most Americans would want uh, both parties to come to an agreement and, and come to some solutions, and that's why it was so disappointing to see um, Donald Trump and the extreme members of the Republican Cox in the House uh, tank what could have been the most productive uh, immigration package in, in generation.
1: Indeed. Okay. I got I got just one more, Michael. It has to be fast cause I'm sure. pretty late. There's a text here that okay. says those ideas are untrue. This is just some wacko making stuff up and the left is running with it as scare tactics. Your response.
0: I mean, you should go read project 2025, just Google project 2025 and you can read it. I'm not making it up. And I also have to say, it's not just project 2025. Uh, the House Republican Caucus wrote an appropriations set of bills, a bill uh, spending bills, uh, that they are currently threatening to shut down the government over. And those bills include things like an 80% reduction to education funding for public schools in this country. That is not me making that up. You can go look that up in the appropriations bill. It includes things like cuts to clean water funding and clean air funding at the EPA. You can go look that up. That's not me making it up. It includes cuts to things like nutrition assistance for pregnant women that is not me making that up you can go look it up in the appropriations bill so i I know these things sound like they are they are let's they sound ridiculous they sound like snidely whiplash twirling his mustache but it's it's they wrote it down and and i hope more people go and look and, and look it up because that is the policy plan whether they'll be able to accomplish it or not that's that's up to the American people.
1: I have to stop us there. But, Michael, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's so important. We'll keep in the Rolodex. Thank you for your time, your way, and your work. Have a great Thank afternoon. You. All right. Take good Thank care, brother. Thank you very much. I'm very late. We'll step away immediately and come back with more before we hand it off to Sports Talk. I'm Ian on WWL.